Well, today we are um, doing a message in our 2019 series of landscape. Every now and then through this year, we've had a few of the messages that has used this theme, landscapes. And today's uh, theme is flood. This past Monday, July 8, Vienna, along with the entire Metro DC area, experienced close to a month's worth of rain within one hour. Did y'all realize that that's how much happened? I mean, I know you knew it was a lot of rain, but almost a month's worth in one hour. One report that Craig read said that 0.68 inches fell in 11 minutes. That's a lot of water, okay? So I have some photos, and Jonathan, if you could just scroll through those on that PowerPoint, it's just some photos Uh, that people had posted on social media of the flood in Vienna, especially Maple Avenue, which that that was the thing that was kind of um, unusual. It's not usual for Maple Avenue to get closed in a flood. We're used to lawyers in Hunter Mill and Creek Crossing, but Maple Avenue? But yeah, it was closed for a while. Um, Craig and I actually ate dinner over at Scorpio's one night this week, and it, it was fine. So I don't think the water got in all the way to the businesses there. But anyway, so we use the word flood. How many had a lot of rain at your house? Did anybody have a flood in the house? No, no, you good. That's good. We use the word for a lot of metaphors, such as a flood of memories, a flood of emotions, a flood of issues, a flood of joy, a flood of confusion. Have, any, have you heard those words, the, the way of saying it? Yeah, so lots of ways that we use the word flood. But for the most part, when we think about the landscape of a flood, we are visualizing water, too much water and water outside its normal place, spilling over the river and creek banks, pouring into our streets and property, filling our basements, etc. Rarely is the idea of a flood something positive. Floods are destructive and dangerous, causing loss of life, and then generally a major hassle and expense to clean up and recover. First Assembly of God in Alexandria, one of our sister churches, got hit pretty hard on Monday. Here's a post that Pastor Wes Johnson wrote on Facebook. So today, with all the rain, our church flooded fairly badly. It is going to be expensive. But while standing in water up to my chest, trying to clear a drain, I saw a mouse that had been caught in the current being pulled towards the drain in our parking lot. Just before the whirlpool took him, I scooped him up and released him on some dry land. I thought of the Mark, our thought of Mark 4, this is still Pastor West talking, when the disciples were caught in the storm, the King James Version says, and there were also with him other little ships. The same storms hit us all. Even if you're having a bad day, take some time and help another little ship. <laughs> so God bless Pastor West. I can't imagine being in the water up to his chest, but that's how much water he was dealing with. And they've got a little bit ahead of them to... Um, to get cleaned up. I am thankful that here a little bit of water got into the church, but not 
not very much at all. It was it was fine. We are aware, of course, that Tropical Storm Barry is um, in Louisiana right now, and the people there are dealing with flooding. That's it's going to happen. We'll we'll find. They say today should be the brunt of the rains and the floods, and and it's a real thing. It, it's going to happen. I remember when I was young, and I was trying to figure out how young was I, and I don't know, 10 or 11, let's call it, um, that being, that I thought that a flood would be cool. I was kind of hoping to have a flood at my house, and and here's why, uh, because I lived in a two-story house, and I thought it would be so cool that I could swim all through my house, like from the upstairs to the downstairs and back up again. I, I envisioned the water as clear and clean, and, and I don't remember what I thought about breathing. <laughs> like, how long was I going to swim through my house? I have no idea, but I just, th- this was a recurring thought that it would be cool to swim through my house. Um, I was wrong. Okay, so the first flood <laughs> that we know about is found in Genesis. A story that you all know and a story that is included in societies and religions all around the world. Almost every society has a story of a major flood. The biblical account of a flood that destroyed all life on earth except for Noah and his family and the animals that God sent to him is a major stumbling block to many people today. And I bet you know some of them. They seem to say that to believe in this equals becoming brainless and unintelligent. Okay? The story is viewed as a myth and not a very satisfying one at that. People don't like the notion of a loving God who would purposely destroy life. I'd like to offer you two points on the story of Noah. And this isn't even the main point of the message, but it's hard to talk about flood without acknowledging this. First, Jesus referred to the days of Noah and the flood. Whatever else I may understand about Genesis, I accept that it is important to learn from it. It is God's word and the son of God, the word made flesh, verified the story of Noah. Okay? Second, the flood that destroyed also was a flood of renewal. It feels like the sinful estate of our world, which we're going to read about in Isaiah in just a moment, is pretty bleak. But we will never know how much worse it could have been because it was at such a state that God chose to destroy all of humanity except Noah through the flood, we don't know how much worse it could have been had he not done a renewal at that time. All right. The passage we're going to read today is from Isaiah 59. And verse 19 is one that I have heard so many times in my life. And I bet you have too. Usually quoted uh, from the King James, a promise and an encouragement and a rallying cry. And it goes like this. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. How many have heard that verse in your life and have heard it preached and it is an encouraging verse. I have felt 
a bit flooded recently with things that I would have to say feel like they are from the enemy. So the challenge of our little grandson, now in his second two-week hospitalization, it's very real. And as I've said, we have so much to be grateful for. I'm happy he's responding to the treatment. He's otherwise healthy, and uh, we're believing for his complete recovery, but it's hard. It's hard. It's hard for our daughter to be living in a hospital room, and she struggles watching helplessly as he's poked and prodded and, and all of that, and you can understand. That part's hard. But we faced additional stressors, including that last week my mother took a bad fall in Florida, which required getting staples in the head wound that she received. Um, I know that several of you have had a crop of issues, right? Sometimes it can just feel like the normal hassles of life. Stuff happens. But sometimes it feels like a flood, like the waters are rising and you're struggling to keep your head up. How many can say you've experienced something like that recently? I'd like to see us just say, how many can say you've actually experienced that recently? So we're in this together. We're in this boat (laughs) together, all right? So it's encouraging to hear the spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard. And I believe that God will rescue those who call on his name. Other scriptures would support this, such as Psalm 29, 10 and 11. The Lord rules over the floodwaters. The Lord reigns as king forever. The Lord gives his people strength. The Lord blesses them with peace. Yes, he does that. However, I want us to read this um, verse 19 in the full context in this chapter in Isaiah. And I hope that the message of power and restoration and ultimate victory that this passage conveys will add to our restful summer. (laughs) We are choosing to not harden our hearts. That's how we enter into his rest. When we hear the voice of the Lord, when we hear the word of the Lord, we don't harden our hearts, but we listen and we obey and we enter into his rest. When floods of problems come our way, we can be tempted to stop trusting in God, to get our focus on ourselves and to lose sight of the big picture. So let's see what this flood is talking about in Isaiah 59. Here we go. It's 21 verses, okay? Everybody set? 21 verses. Listen. The Lord's arm is not too weak to save you, nor is his ear too deaf to hear you call. It's your sins that have cut you off from God. Because of your sins, he is turned away and will not listen anymore. Your hands are the hands of murderers, and your fingers are filthy with sin. Your lips are full of lies, and your mouth spews corruption. No one cares about being fair and honest. The people's lawsuits are based on lies. They conceive evil deeds and then give birth to sin. They hatch deadly snakes and weave spider's webs. Whoever eats their eggs will die. Whoever cracks them will hatch a viper. 
Their webs can't be made into clothing, and nothing they do is productive. All their activity is filled with sin, and violence is their trademark. Their feet run to do evil, and they rush to commit murder. They think only about sinning. Misery and destruction always follow them. They don't know where to find peace or what it means to be just and good. They have mapped out crooked roads, and no one who follows them knows a moment's peace. So there is no justice among us, and we know nothing about right living. We look for light, but find only darkness. We look for bright skies, but walk in gloom. We grope like the blind along a wall, feeling our way like people without eyes. Even at brightest noontime, we stumble as though it were dark. Among the living, we are like the dead. We growl like hungry bears. We moan like mournful doves. We look for justice, but it never comes. We look for rescue, but it is far away from us. For our sins are piled up before God and testify against us. Yes, we know what sinners we are. We know we have rebelled and have denied the Lord. We have turned our backs on our God. We know how unfair and oppressive we have been, carefully planning our deceitful lies. Our courts oppose the righteous, and justice is nowhere to be found. Truth stumbles in the streets, and honesty has been outlawed. Yes, truth is gone. And anyone who renounces evil is attacked. The Lord looked and was displeased to find there was no justice. He was amazed to see that no one intervened to help the oppressed. So he himself stepped in to save them with his strong arm, and his justice sustained him. He put on righteousness as his body armor and placed the helmet of salvation on his head. He clothed himself with a robe of vengeance and wrapped himself in a cloak of divine passion. He will repay his enemies for their evil deeds. His fury will fall on his foes. He will pay them back even to the ends of the earth, In the west, people will respect the name of the Lord. In the east, they will glorify him. For he will come like a raging flood tide, driven by the breath of the Lord. The Redeemer will come to Jerusalem to buy back those in Israel or Zion who have turned from their sins, says the Lord. And this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit will not leave them. And neither will these words I have given you, they will be on your lips and on the lips of your children and your children's children forever. I, the Lord, have spoken. This is the word of the Lord. (laughs) The flood of God in this passage is addressing some very specific realities that look a lot like today's world to me. So here's what we're going to learn from this. One, God's ability makes up for my inability. When I feel that sense of a flood of problems about to overcome me, instead of trying to figure my way out, I need to take hope in this. 
is God's arm too short to reach where I am? Is his ear too deaf to hear me when I call? There is no depth, no darkness, no hiding place, no shady corner, or being at the wrong place at the wrong time that he cannot reach you, me, us. He can reach his arm is not too short to save. Amen? There is no cry of pain or whisper of fear or groan of despair that he cannot hear. God is able to roar to your side, snatch you from harm, enwrap you in his love, and keep you. You don't have to wait to call out to him until you have the strategy figured out. He is able He is ready. He is there for you. He is there for me. He is our strong and mighty God. Amen. Amen. That's how he started this whole thing. Now, now he's going to go in and explain a few things about what the problem is. But before he even did that, he said, I'm here to save. I can hear you. So what is it? The cutoff between people and God is sin. Now, we understand that everybody in this room has come to accept that we are sinners in need of a Savior and that Jesus Christ came because God so loved the world that he wasn't willing that any one of us perish and that he gave his life as a ransom for many, that we can receive the salvation that Jesus gave on the cross that we sang about. The blood that he shed cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Amen? Amen. But what's going on in this prophecy? What are these sins? What is it that has cut these people off from God hearing their cry? He lists a catalog of violence, deceit, injustice, oppression, evil, murder, and lies. The prophet Isaiah confesses on behalf of the people, yes, this is true. This is how we've been living. I've been reading through uh, First and Second Kings. I think Mary's been in Chronicles. How many else have been in that wonderful part of Israel's history where we read about all the different rebellions and the idol worship and the stuff that went on? It's hard to understand, but we need to, what is this verse saying to us? We are experiencing some of these things in our lifetime in this catalog of sins. Is God looking at our current situation and again saying, the Lord looked and was displeased to find there was no justice He was amazed to see that no one intervened to help the oppressed. It's important, folks, that our heart be aligned with God's heart, that our eyes see what he sees. And if there are issues of injustice or violence or evil, oppression taking place, which of course there are all over our world, (laughs) but what, where we are, what can we do? We don't want God to look at us and say, I was amazed to see that you didn't do anything about that. 
that you didn't speak into that, that you didn't do something to help. Take heart. God will not let injustice win. Whether it's your person, something personal going on to you where you feel like there hasn't been justice or whether it's the grand scheme of we need God's justice. And, you know, I was in a conversation yesterday with somebody about some um, political things going on in our community. Guess what? I'm not sure which side is right. I think maybe neither. How's that for an answer, okay? There's some place in the middle. And as God's people on this earth, maybe our role is not to go around judging to bring justice, but is to be God's light shining about how to live in a crooked generation with the peace of God and the joy of the Holy Ghost in our life. Amen? Amen. If you feel overwhelmed by the strife and division and confusion that we are flooded with right now in our culture, remember God's simple answer. In Micah 6, 8, he said, do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with God. But even after all of this, after he listed this catalog, and then Isaiah confessed it and said, yes, it's true. Then God himself stepped in to save. (laughs) The Lord himself, in the middle of verse 16, after the confession, after the catalog, the Lord answered. That he says, I'm going to read it again. So he himself stepped in to save them with his strong arm and his justice sustained him. He put on righteousness as his body armor. Who, how many remember that from Ephesians chapter six? We're supposed to do the same thing. Put on the breastplate of righteousness and he put on the salvation as his helmet. We are to have that helmet of salvation and go forward in the power of God. He himself stepped in. This is a picture of Jesus coming as the servant of the Lord, our covenant mediator, our redeemer. And how does he come? He came with the power of a flood, energized by the wind of the spirit. That speaking of a flood coming in, raising up a standard, that's that's like a banner. That's like a statement, like, boom, I am here. I am making things right. I am the righteous judge forever and ever. He will overpower his enemies. He will be glorified from the east and from the west. All people will see it and are rich. Risen Savior will reign forever. Amen. I hope that gives you hope. I hope that helps you know that if you're in the moment of feeling flooded with the world's problems, guess what? We're not called to be the Savior. We are called to be his voice to speak up when that opportunity calls, you know, where he says, I was surprised nobody intervened, but it's his power. It's the breath of his voice, his spirit. That's, he is the righteous judge. It's his righteousness that we put on, his salvation that we walk forward in, and he will be glorified from the east and from the west. The name of the Lord will be praised. 
we can experience the flood of love, grace, mercy, redemption, renewal because of our covenant relationship with God. Jesus has sent the Holy Spirit and we are sealed for redemption on that great and final day when all tears will be wiped away. Every wrong made right. There will be no more sorrow and we will be free to live in the joy of the Lord forever. We right now can make daily choices to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. Amen. Amen.